Hello, everybody. Welcome to Heal with the Real, my podcast where I invite survivors to thrivers of domestic abuse. And I do the podcast because I am really passionate about sharing the experiences of survivors of domestic abuse and the tools that they may have used, their experiences, because every journey, every person's journey is separate and different. Um, And I wrote the book Fix Your Future back in July 2021. And that was my experience of domestic abuse and with the tools in the back of the book that I personally use to heal from domestic abuse. Um, my guest tonight is the amazing Georgina Lewis. And um, I'm going to ask you, Georgie, just to say a little bit about yourself, a um, bit about your background. Um, yeah, over to you. Introduce yourself. Hi, so yeah, I'm Georgina and um, I have worked in accountancy for the past 20, 25 years. So that's my line of work. Um, I've recently got into self-development and uh, I have two children uh, and I've got a dog who you may hear in the background. He's normally uh, my dog, don't worry. (laughs) And uh, a couple of cats. Um, But yeah, so I'm very active at the moment on Clubhouse platform and I've been there for about 18 months now and um, it was a really interesting journey on on getting on to the Clubhouse environment, uh, really finding myself well and, you know, understanding uh, things from different perspectives and really making some amazing connections uh, on the Clubhouse platform. So, yeah, going through a real uh, journey of self-discovery over the last 18 months. Yeah, and they're the same, really. Do you want to just explain for viewers what Clubhouse is? Sure, yeah. So Clubhouse is an audio uh, social media platform, and it kind of started in the lockdown uh, period where um, they created uh, the social media clubhouse so there was a surge of people who absolutely came through onto the platform and it was a different way to express yourself uh, make connections networking uh, starting businesses you know creating sales as well there's a lot of it's just it's a variety of different uh, views uh, areas if you like business ventures and it's across the globe so uh, you can be talking at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday um, in the UK um, in a particular club and people from the UK will join uh, join it and also people who maybe just go into bed in the US um, and then India and Asia and Australia and everyone uh, has got a chance to uh, participate on, on the audio platform, whether it's listening, uh, whether you can talk on the stage, if you like, or part of a room. And, uh, and you can really uh, make really great connections with people who you, who you may never have crossed paths with um, in the physical world. So, yeah, it's a really exciting place. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we'll come on to your room in a minute. It's an amazing club. So well, everybody in Clubhouse has their own club, but you can just have every topic under the sun within this audio app which is incredible and like you say you can connect with all these people from everywhere all shapes and sizes and colors and diversity and it's just incredible learning about other people and um you know what makes them tick and and just learning about other entrepreneurs and business and 
there's just there's just everything for anybody isn't there you could just go in there and search for a particular topic find it um and then sorry that was my phone uh, and find it and just join in in the conversation which is great yeah sorry my phone again um and so you've got your own room you've got your own room yeah, so so really, what what's quite an interesting piece is because it's virtual. Um, you know, you, you feel that you know no one can see you. However, you know when somebody is about to talk, or when I was uh, in the beginning, uh, you could hear people talking very confidently, and you know they knew their topics, etc. And there was this big kind of imposter syndrome going on with myself, thinking, oh no, I can't. You know, what am I going to say? And um, you know, how do I how do I start something? And, you know, so from that perspective and and actually it was just about getting up there and doing it. So um, it was just giving it a go. And actually, when you do find yourself sharing about anything, um, especially in a in a room, if you like, where you feel safer um, and that people who are like minded are, are in that same space, if you like, um, it, it creates a, a really interesting you know, journey anyway, but also it's a practice. So you're practicing kind of sharing stuff. You know, maybe you might overshare one day or you might actually not say enough. You're like, oh, I wish I'd said that. Yeah. Um, but you've got plenty of chances to go in. And, yeah, the first time is that you never meet anybody uh, before, um, but you kind of follow people, you listen to them and you get to know whatever you want to know. And yeah, then join in, and uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun as well. So it is a lot of fun, yeah. and it's it. Do you know it taught me so much when I first went onto that app? I had published my book um, six months prior to going on the app, and I didn't speak about my book. And what what it allowed me to do was start speaking about my book on stages with people that didn't know me which then prepared me to go out into the public and then talk about my book. So coming on stages in Clubhouse just gave me that push of fear because when you go in front of any audiences, I guess, because you have a stage in the in Clubhouse, you have um, in each club, you have a stage where you go and speak and you have audience members. And so it's, I guess it's a bit of um, a practice to then go stand in that fear and yeah. speak up on stages in front of audiences, which is can be very frightening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's a big promotion on the clubhouse, but I must admit it's 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 transformed you know areas of my own life as well. So listening to the kind of you know the. Uh, the people who were usually there and the people who turn up a lot and seem really confident. There was one guy in particular, um, a guy called Gary Henderson, who had come into Pete Cohen's room. And, uh, you know, he has been my coach for a couple of years as well. So that was, you know, it was kind of just trusting the right people to go to get on with things. And um, anyway, this guy was like, ah, don't worry about it. Just just open a room. Just do it. And it's like. Um, okay, but I suppose the intention is to, for me, was to, to do something where there was a space available for people who are on their own um, and who wanted to maybe feel that they belong to something, uh, which, you know, they, it's a regular piece, so they know that it's there. So that's what my own room was creating. So, um, 
and yeah I, I didn't have a clue <laughs> and quite um you know literally I did not have a clue about what was going on but as time's moved on um you know it, it's just making sure that there's a routine it's a regular place it's building a community and you know there's no hard sell uh but it's about the love and connection that we can give to one another yeah. and it's not for everybody um but uh we, you know it's it's an interesting you know journey and, and life of its own that it's taking so um, there's lots of great energy it's there's lots of times when you know people are there just listening so the listening skill is really something which I've you know just carry on improving because it's yeah. a practice so yeah <laughs> and talking obviously <laughs> and what's your, so what's your room call for for the viewers yeah okay so yeah just in case you've got nothing to do on a Sunday morning <laughs> um eight o'clock eight o'clock in the morning yeah on a Sunday uh UK time and uh my room's called it's three feet from possibility so um I took the name uh from there was a, a story from a Napoleon Hill's book uh, Think and Grow Rich and um in it he talks about uh this person who wanted to dig for gold uh, he bought a load of equipment he dug and dug and dug and he didn't find it and uh, he then sold his equipment on to somebody else so when the other person said, oh, where were you digging? Uh, they went back to the place and he was three feet away from gold. So, and it's a true story. So he found yeah. the gold and he, he became very rich, et cetera. And the guy who actually sold the equipment went off and did something else actually. So he didn't, you know, just sit and dwell there and, and cry a lot. He, he, he made sure that he moved on eventually, but he became very successful in his own thing. So it's a really interesting story, but I liked it that much. Um, I wanted to kind of play on those words and I took the, the three feet. And actually, for me, uh, a big mantra of mine is that the possibility is the basis of everything. So, and it reminds me that it is, um, even when things are tough and therefore, you know, three feet from possibility, I, I feel that we're all away, you know, away from that, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis. So, yeah, and you're right, anything's possible, isn't it? anything's possible if you put your mind to it I, I believe that so much and we met on Clubhouse on the app and you were part of my summit last year um we I did my first domestic abuse summit in October for domestic abuse awareness month and you were one of the speakers within that summit and I you know I can't thank you enough for supporting me for that day and and coming and being one of the speakers and the point of Heal with the Real is to talk about domestic abuse. And, um, you know, and I know that there's a few things that you're doing at the moment. You're creating the book, which we'll get on to soon, because I want to really know about, you know, the book. It sounds amazing. But also, you know, your past as well, if you're happy to talk about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. So did you, because for me, I, when I wrote my book, I went right back to being young. And I know that um, there was so many things in my life, right from the age seven, that then made, not made me, but I always chose the wrong or unhealthy relationships because I was always looking outside of love. I don't know how, how was it for you? Yeah, interesting. So uh, as a child, I, I lost my father when I was nine. So he was a really significant part of my life. Um, and and that was a very 
you know, tough time going through the, the childhood and, and the impact of, of that loss. So um, interestingly, as a child, um, you know, I continue to uh, grow up, move schools, etc. And to be fair, you know, the, the teenage years, etc. were fairly, um, I don't know, non-eventful, if you like. Um, I took up drama um, as a passion of mine and that really helped me joining a local theatre group uh, in order to get through the grief and then um, into my adult years I concentrated on uh, my work um, and my academics I guess and, and qualifications and um, really um, my you know relationships if you like were were fairly steady. Um, there were a couple of, um, you know, bad choices in the early years, but they were quite civil. Um, so as as I moved through, I felt that I was at a point where I was, you know, I had a good job. Um, I had a good, you know, uh, network of friends, um, and I felt I, was, I maybe have been in one of the most confident points of my life. So I feel using that as an example, you know, these things can happen to anybody. So no matter where you've been, where you are, you know, the, the, your life events, then what happened um, is, is something which, you know, we, I have to deal with. And so at the point in time where everything was going well, um, as well as it was in my own life, um, in my perspective, um, I then, you know, I was single. I, I had a, you know, a son as well who was probably about eight or nine at the time. And then I met somebody um, who, who then, you know, unfortunately, it was an abusive relationship. So it kind of, um, I, I feel that the connection between you know, the, uh, you know, losing my dad um, at that young age. And I hadn't really talked about it as an adult. So I just carried on. All right, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen on, the, on, live, on live video, don't worry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, um, so, I don't know where I was, but yeah, probably at the point in time where, uh, there probably was a lot of barking, unfortunately. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, in the beginning, it was something where, uh, you know, I felt that I could rescue this person. Um, you know, I wanted to. Uh, they didn't have any money. Um, I felt that I could help them. You know, as well as fall in love with them, and um, and it didn't, you know, work out that way. So, you know, there was a gradual uh, piece around. Uh, just put downs a lot, um, the control element came in and really I was at a point in my life like just turned 30 um, where I probably didn't want to uh, you know be on my own, there was a lot of stigma around you know single parents and I wanted the family unit so much you know all of those things uh, because I wanted to fit in and therefore it was just brilliant you know I've met this person they were they came in to live with me very quickly you know literally in a week or so and um you know the the, the you know the kind of vicious circle then happened where you know the red flags were there in terms of you know the um, the language that was being used and at first you think well I'll just ignore that because everything else is okay and um, and it just got worse and worse so 
Um, in order to then um, find a way out, if you like, so, you know, fast forward a year, um, it, it's very difficult. And I feel that there was a lot of points where, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to know that inside your gut, you're, you know, you know what's right and wrong. However, in order to move physically into a, a safer place, um, then that's where, you know, you, it takes some time. So um, I feel that the inner strength, if you like, or the inner compass um, helped me move. Um, I maybe was at the weakest point when I decided to, to get out of that. Um, and uh, it was about basically starting again. So in my um, personal life, it got to the point where I needed to make a decision. And then in my um, professional life um, it was also not going too well so you know with those two situations um, it was it was quite difficult to navigate through um, but I did start again and um, and I did leave my house uh, you know everything all the physical belongings um, were just you know I had nothing left um, and I moved out of there and um, started again um, with basically just me and my two children now um, and my dog <laughs> and uh, and the cats so um so, th so that, that's and then also then after that I met somebody else um, who um, also uh, was uh, um, you know it fell into the abusive relationship scenario again so I hadn't really uh, gave, given myself time to recover and I was still in this, uh, you know, rescue scenario or just needing to belong to something, uh, which is actually quite bad for me. And, um, uh, you know, so with both of these relationships really not very good for my well-being, um, you know, maybe from the point where I met the first person um, to then, you know, the, the second relationship, you know, falling apart, um, but it was a lucky escape, I can tell you that. Um, it was probably then, you know, six years. So, um, you know, between then, um, those times, uh, you know, that period of my life then, you know, is, is taken up with that. So the second person also, you know, had to be removed. And um, I was in a position where I then fell into some kind of depression um, because of what had happened. So... Um, I, I had a lot of shame, I had a lot of guilt, I had a lot of everything, and I suppose you then have the bad habits to go with that, and you, you just find yourself, um, yeah, punishing yourself, because it's, it's, it's what you feel is the right thing to do, yeah. and yet, yeah, so um, that, that went on for a while, however, it was very damaging to my own health, um, you know, I I'd had, I'd had a job and, you know, it, there was questions about that because I wasn't, you know, fresh all the time. I was very tired all the time. And then, you know, I didn't want to go to work. And, you know, and then, you know, all those sorts of things uh, kind of compounded. Uh, so, um, you know, inside, there had to be a point where I either continued to do that and just not care about anything, even with my kids there, or, you know, I have a choice. Uh, there is a possibility that I could 
move forward with my life and leave the past in the past. So that point, Georgie, that made you all of a sudden think, right, what 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 brought you to that very point? Because I know there was something specific in my life that took me to that point that I I knew that there was going to be no more when um, my son, my eldest son was involved. And that was the point when it, it, for me, it was, you know, I could have, I could take the abuse, but not my children. And that was that pinnacle moment where I was like, right, this is, this has got to stop. So that, I remember that very clearly, um, that that was the point where I was like, no more. So was there a point where in your life that you got to? Yeah, so the the point at which uh, uh, in the second relationship it was um, and things were deteriorating, um, I'd already formed some bad habits because I wanted to join in, if you like, um, instead of being left out. And um there was a run of nights where there was heavy drinking, everything else that was going on. And at the end of that, there was a, a physical violence piece. And it was at that point where, you know, I, I had to decide. And yeah. then after that, um, there was another evening and... I remember this bit because it was a point of no return. So at that point uh, where, you know, I could, I chose to keep the door closed um, instead of, you know, any further negotiation. Um, I, you know, I had to then, yeah, that was the point where my life changed for the better. Now, immediately afterwards, it's a strange piece because I felt, you know, you, you kind of have this, I felt that I had this achievement about making that decision. So, and I knew that that was the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, and I never, they never set foot in my property again at that point. Um, but, and I knew that was right. But there was probably like, 20 times after that where this doubt does creep in and you think oh shall I give them another chance and the previous times before I shut the door I did give them another chance and every time I gave them another chance it kind of sped up the time it took to then become in the same situation again yeah. it kind of got faster it, it didn't even have to be a day yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I completely get that. Um, you know, you, you do, you think you, you want to trust them, don't you? Because you, yeah. I guess you feel alone as a woman with children. You're, you're back to that, that same, even though you probably feel more lonely with them. Yeah. In a sense. Yes. Yeah. But you know you get used to that it, it's it becomes part of your life and it becomes normalized mm -hmm. and then for for when they go it's it's hard isn't it I think um yeah uh, I know for the very last time it was a day you know it was a no you know no way for me and it it, it would have been no way back 
at all. I knew in my mind at that point that was it and it was never going to happen again. But the abuse continued even after that, you know, for a long time after that. And I think that's, I don't know, did that happen to you? Did you? Yeah, I think the second time, because it was such an embarrassing situation for them, if you like, uh, because of the, you know, they found themselves, you know, single as well. Um, their pride for them, um, yeah, they were actually, yeah, so there was a lot of emails. Actually, I forgot about this, I put it away. Um, and then there was a lot of, um, you know, I'm really sorry, please take me back. Um, lots of pictures sent. So, you know, every few days there was another picture of us together and how happy we were. Um, but that was a, a false, a false positive. Is that how you say it? So, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. and it's kind of, you know, you have to take all of the courage you can, uh, to really trust yourself to know that it is, it's definitely the right decision. Yeah. And, you know, I knew it was, so that makes it more straightforward. It doesn't make it any easier because you still have to go through the process of, you know, blocking them eventually. So I do feel that I've learned a lot about how to, um, yeah, get through that that situation. So a, a book that really helped me at the time was called Psychopath Free. So that was written by uh, somebody, a man who had, was in his, um, you know, gay relationship, and um, he had a, a narcissistic um, type a partner who. He then wrote down the stages and then the um, you know symptoms, if you like, or the or what yeah. you know, what can you tell is is going wrong here, and then also strategies about moving on. So, um, and there was another guy called Eddie Cabano. I don't know whether you've heard of him, but I haven't. Um, no. Oh, that he really helped me in terms of. Uh, the no contact rule so um you know there's a piece where you know in order to get over something you do have to absolutely stop it so there's no social media there's no message you block everything and however hard that might seem it is the way to you know make that breakthrough so yeah. um and I had to do that and I knew I had to do that and sometimes you get to like it's a 60 day piece so uh, when I get to day 20 you have a sneaky look on Facebook or something. And then you're like, and no. we're all guilty of it, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I know, especially with my um last the last narcissistic relationship. I kept and in the end I was like, no, don't do it again. But eventually it does go. But yeah, I think we must all go through it where we just go, oh, I just want to see. And I had why? Why do we want to see? You know, what mm -hmm. what? What good does it do? Italy, um, but yeah. you're right, no, no contact is so important. Yeah. So important. Um, blocking every channel possible. Yeah, definitely. Because saying no, you know, to that is is saying yes to yourself. And um, I love that phrase. So that's why I wanted to say it. But I thought, but I also feel it's so true because yeah. um, you know, it's actually giving permission for you uh to, to be okay. And and that is is definitely the right way. Um yeah, so and every time I got to like, I think you know, you get into day 30, then that was fine, and then oh no, 
you know, I've looked at something again, <laughs> and it goes back to the beginning. But then when you get to day 60, um, it's a strange thing, right? Because uh, it's probably actually day 360, uh, really. But, um, you know, there, there, there is this piece where you, you, you are learning a different way to live. And eventually, yeah, you, they dissolve and they're, they're out of the way. And you're looking forward, actually, instead. And, you know, I can hear the, no, I'm never going to be able to get on or move on. But you do. And it, it could take two months. It could take 20 months. It took me like, two and a half years, you know, in that scenario. But then with using, you know, those tools like the no contact uh, really helped me, you know, fast forward a little bit more. So, um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's interesting because when I'm here now and I'm my future self, I would never have thought I maybe have a, a, a conversation where, you know, I hope that if anyone hears it, then, you know, there, there, there is hope. And, you know, just never, ever give up on knowing that, you know, you are going to get through this and you are going to get to a point where, um, you know, you, you have a new chapter in your life. Yeah, and I think it's time, isn't it? Time's a great healer. It, I mean, we never heal completely. That's the thing. It's it's happened to us, but I think we learn to deal with it when those particular triggers, for some reason, may come up. I think we we then have our army of tools that we can use. What else after no contact were some of the things that you used? So. I started to um, do things that interested me then. So for me, I realised that I had, I called it, I snookered myself into a place where I'd started to stop, started to stop. I stopped the things which were putting me into those circles where, you know, I was meeting people who were no good for me then. So um, I did make a conscious effort to stop the, the bad habits, but I knew that I couldn't do them all at once. So I wasn't giving myself a hard time, you know, if, I don't know, uh, um, you know, the drinking, I, I concentrate on making sure that stopped and there might have been, you know, the odd the thing like, I don't know, a bag of chocolate or something that I ate all at once and stuff like that instead. But I was just doing it step by step. Um, the other things were, um, I had to stop, yeah, going into the same kind of uh, circle. So I'm a, I'm a massive uh, old school dance, uh, you know, fan or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love the music. Yeah. Me too, but, me too. <laughs> but there was a period of time where, you know, I didn't go to those places. And, you know, I felt, I felt the FOMO I thought oh, I'm missing out here so every time I saw you know something that was coming up I was like oh I really want to go but you know but then I had to keep asking myself is that serving me now and it wasn't I had to make those hard decisions so um but then in the end uh you know because I felt like I wasn't doing anything then I felt I was snookered because, um, you know, I wasn't going to go out because I had younger children. Um, you know, my friends weren't around who I normally hang around with. But then it's about, um, yeah, I sat with myself. Um, you know, I understood that, 
you know, I'm I'm the only person who's going to get me through this. Um, I my I, I had a, a few friends who I really did lean on, um, but in the end, it's up to me. Uh, so, you know, I and I had to learn that, um, and that's when, yeah, I started to speak to other people. I found forums as well. So apart from the no contact. I did read a lot as well. So um, I read a lot of self-help books. Um, I said the other day that uh, there was a lot of people who were quoting things on the, you know, the, the quotes like, is it one day or day one? Um, and, and things like that on the internet. You see them on Facebook a lot or whatever. But I was actually actively searching for those quotes because for me, that was the, those words I was hanging on to. So I knew that there was some kind of hope to go by. And, you know, a few people will say that, you know, that's not for them either. And that's fine as well. But for me, you know, that that helped me no end. So and I knew that those things were they were I, sometimes, I, you know, when you open it and you think, wow, that that was meant for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was meant to see that yeah. today. Yeah. It, yeah. But it helped. <laughs> So I think you're right. And I think you're right, Georgie, you know, that for me, I, I went on this learning curve of what is a narcissist? I didn't even know what a narcissist was when I left my narcissist. I didn't have a clue. And I was like, you know, I got ghosted for two weeks and I was like, well, what do I do? What do you do when somebody ghosts you? And it was in height of lockdown and I couldn't come home. My eldest son and his wife had moved into my home and so I had nowhere to come to so I stayed at my friends for a couple of days which ended up turning into a week and he just kept saying I'm not ready to speak and in the end I was like what am I doing and I finished the race something in my gut told me I had to finish the relationship which I did and found out that he'd been seeing somebody else and that's why he'd been ghosting me but um that took me on a whole learning curve about what is a narcissist um why am I codependent? Mm. Um, all these things, you know, that I needed to learn about to move forward, just to, to know what these red flags are, to spot these coercive signs. Because I think in my own head, secretly, I knew in my gut that it wasn't right. But I thought, no, you know, you've always got this other voice as well going, well, you know, it's, it's it's you're not. It wasn't anything like my abuse, the domestic abuse that I went through. It was a very different relationship, completely different. Um, so it was like, no, well, it's not domestic abuse, you know. So it's it was hard to um, decipher the difference in in two completely different relationships, both coercive but very different in the way that he was a covert narcissist, and I didn't know what one was. So, yeah, I went on, you know, like you, on this path of learning about the signs and what to do and how to move forward. And um, you're doing a book. I'm, I want, I'd love to find out about your book. You know, um, how far are you on with it? What is it about? What's the title? Yeah, so, uh, so the book is called Confessions of an Online Dating Hopeful. So I love it. So it's, um, I started it during uh, lockdown, actually. Uh, so that was a couple of years ago now. And it was mainly because I wanted to actually have a project where I could say I've finished it. 
So I, I had a few ideas along the years and I was like, oh yeah, that'll be good. And then never did it. And it was, again, um, you know, it was about choosing something to do and just realizing that, you know, if I keep saying, I'm, oh, well, what about this and what about that? I'm just never going to get anything done. So just concentrate on one thing for once. So yeah. anyway, there was a lot. So I'd had, um, so after the, you know, the other period of, you know, moving through in recovery, um, I had uh, dated a few times. Um, it hadn't worked out still. And uh, it was online dating now as well. That was quite um, prevalent. And um, I just found that, um, you know, things were, you know, not not going in the, the long term <laughs> uh, path. So anyway, a few of my friends had also had a lot, you know, experiences and, you know, they was telling me things. And I was thinking, hang on a minute. Yeah, that's happened to me. So um, so I did um, like start. Sorry, wait a minute. <laughs> right. So. Um, so because of all the common stories, um, I, I thought, OK, you know, we started having a laugh about, um, OK, so what dude are you going to see tonight then? Or, you know, who, what dudes have you got in your life? Who have you seen online? And then we started calling these people, um, these people um, just by their, um, you know, their nature or their behaviour. So um, in, so I thought, OK, let's let's think about this in an A to Z kind of way. And um, at first I thought, yeah, it's really, you know, surely I've got 26 stories. That's no problem. <laughs> but um, I got to about, I don't know, eight or nine. And I was thinking, OK, so what happens next? And then the stories kept coming, though, because I started telling people about what I was doing. And they were telling me their experiences. And then uh, we just made a few up as well <laughs> to protect the guilty. And um, yeah, so it's an A to Z. Um, there's about it's you know there's about twelve hundred words per story, so you can just pick up the book and uh, <laughs> land on a letter, and and see what okay. you find. Um, and there's it's it's like a um, a testament to dating, I suppose. And um, you know it's a, an overview of you know how dating used to be uh, when people it was normal for people to meet in a pub. Um, and nowadays I don't think it is very normal for people to meet in a pub uh, what I heard the other day a story where you know if you if you start saying do you want to meet face to face instead of online that's like what no <laughs> so anyway uh, so um, so yeah it's just describing what you might find and, it, and the audience is um, really it, my the target audience I guess is for women really um, however men um, are really interested in the book already <laughs> so uh, wow. they, they find it fascinating to understand it from you know our perspective I guess um, and uh, it's a light-hearted view um, so there's nothing like 50 shades of grey in there so I don't want to disappoint anyone okay. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of uh, tongue in cheek so we've got characters like massage mike uh, okay. so guess what happened there uh, and then <laughs> and um and also people like um impatient ian so impatient ian is somebody who you meet online um and then they they give you their number and then if you don't text back in one second, then, you know, something up there. I knew you were just going to say that. <laughs> uh, what's the book called? Oh, it's called um, Confessions of an Online Dating Hopeful. So, uh, uh, yeah. When, so, when, 
when are we get, when are we going to see it published? Well, I'm hoping because uh, I've just uh, so there might be a couple of months yet. So we're at the end of April. I'm hoping it will be there for the summer. So it could be a, a good holiday holiday read there. But you know, hopefully in the 2023 it's going to come out. So uh, it sounds fantastic. What, what what's your thoughts on online dating? For because for me. It feels like it's um, a throwaway society. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, like throwaway fashion. You know, you just, you either swiping left, swiping right, and it's like, right, and if and if he doesn't fit, then it's then start swiping again. And it's just like, oh. and on to the next, you know? And I don't like them, if I'm perfectly honest. But, however... I am on one because um, I don't go out hardly ever. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm at the point where I'm happy in my own company. Um, but how, then how do you, you know, it's that chicken and egg. How do you then meet somebody if you don't ever go out? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the point, I think, as well. So um, I feel that the online dating apps, I mean, uh, it's a minefield and I, and I don't believe that the more you pay the more likely you're going to get anyone decent um, so you know and I, I feel that um, as long as you know you take a light-hearted approach again because it can get you down and I suppose it's like any like social media platform as well so once you start comparing or you know looking at it in a way where um, you know if you've had scrolled through 10 people or even had 10 dates and they're still not the right one um then you know it can uh, be quite tough to then persevere however i'm a um i've uh, interviewed a couple of men recently on my podcast um who have met people online and now they're married with them and uh, you know they 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 sound and you can hear how in love they are with their partners and and i feel that that gives me hope. So, yeah. you know, that uh, their, um, I don't know, their manifestation of their, you know, long life partners is has happened. So, um, no, I, I feel that it, it's uh, something which can be left. Um, I, I would like to meet somebody who, uh, for the long term, um, but right now, um, you know, I feel that they need to, you know, we, we need to have a decent comp, um, balance, cuts I can say compromise, but um, so therefore I'm, you know, doing a lot in my life where I feel that I'm giving back to people or, you know, serving if you like, or, you know, and that's giving me love. Um, so I'm getting a lot of love back in a way that I never thought I could. So knowing that I don't have to look for love on an app <laughs> or through a, a relationship as per se, um, maybe it's just the fact that I'm not ready. And, you know, I feel that when the time's right, um, you know, I'll meet somebody who, you know, will be compatible, etc. Where, who knows, but <laughs> whether or not it's online. But at the moment, yeah, um, I keep, keep, you know, I do look. Um, but I'm I'm looking to be curious rather than looking to, you know, know that the next person who I see who texts me, <laughs> yeah. I think is the yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. so, it's been happy. It, for me, it's just been happy whether I'm with someone or not, you know, and I am. 
I think that's the most important thing. And it'll happen if it'll happen. And I'm not, you know, I'm not desperate for anything to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, and I'm, you know, I'm still happy. And I think that's the important part. But it's also, I think, important to know what you will accept and will accept after you've been in an abusive relationship. And having that very clear boundaries of what you won't accept in your life. I think that's so important. Yeah. Georgie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, do let me know. We can we can maybe write in the comments when your book does come out so that the viewers can get a copy when and, and where um yeah. it when it does. But yeah, it's been amazing to to have you on and um yeah, hopefully we'll do another summit in October if you'd be um oh again that would be amazing it would be an honor and um you know i support um people uh men and women uh that yeah. have been through difficult times and uh I, i'm 100 you know uh supportive part of you know any collaboration uh to to help make our lives better I think that is important and men as well, because, you know, men are victims too. And that is so important. And I don't think there's enough support around for men. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that will change. But yeah, thank you so much, Georgie. Okay, thank um, you. It's been an honour. It's been an absolute honour. Take oh. care and thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.